Toronto, Canada. The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. And welcome to the Audio Imaginarium. Come on in, weary traveler. Hang your cloak on a peg, grab a stool, and come gather round the fire. There are stories to be told, and you are among friends. Jared Murphy is one fascinating fellow. He's a self-experimenter and field researcher of ancient technologies and lost history. And uh, Gerald has traveled the world searching for evidence of advanced ancestors and high technology. And he's here for the full two hours. Before we get to Jared, a few programming notes. My show last week, in case you didn't notice, with uh, Joseph Farrell has been taken down from YouTube for violating their rules, re-COVID spreading medical misinformation, yada, yada, yada. So I am in YouTube prison for one week, which I think expires on Tuesday. I've been a very bad boy. Uh, As a result, I can't post anything to YouTube right now. Obviously, that means there is no YouTube live stream tonight, but we are recording tonight's program with Jared. Uh, No danger of violating any COVID rules as we discuss evidence of advanced ancient human civilization. And this program will be posted on my YouTube channel, Strange Planet, probably around Tuesday, Ryan tells me. Uh, I think the one-week YouTube prison sentence will be over by then. Uh, In the meantime, uh, that Joseph Farrell show from last week, oh man, it was good. Too good, maybe. It's, uh, It's been posted up on my channel on Rumble. So just go to rumble.com and search under channels. That's important. I think there's a drop-down menu, Ryan tells me, and you can search under channels for Richard Serrett's Strange Planet. And eventually, I suspect we'll have to move everything over to Rumble. Uh, We're not in a position to live stream on Rumble yet, but that may change in the not-too-distant future. Again, go to rumble.com, search under channels, for Richard Serrett's Strange Planet. Again, not live streaming tonight, but Ryan, my live stream producer, is here recording tonight's program to post early this coming week. Carlos Cagina, of course, is the technical producer. And uh, one final note, I hope you can, or two actually, I hope you can, I hope you can join me uh, weekday afternoons from 4 to 6 p.m. on The Richard Serrett Show on Saga 960 AM, Saga 960 AM. You should be able to pull this in on your radio, your car radio in the greater Toronto area, west of Mississauga even. Uh, Or if not, you can stream it live at Saga960AM.ca. And Saga is spelled Saga, as in Mississauga, S-A-U-G-A, S-A-U-G-A, Saga960AM.ca. Okay, now, how is this for a captivating book title? It's not aliens. Worse, it's us discovering our lost history. And in it, Jared Murphy details his search for ancient and advanced technologies. And the evidences from the historical record, legends and myths, are shouting that it wasn't aliens, that the advanced technologies are echoes of a human society we do not have a written record of. We have the remnants of their buildings, genes, and the sciences that point to a highly advanced human race 
that survived multiple catastrophes and to this day may live among us. Human bones have been found back millions of years alongside the Homo erectus and other primitive humans. Many revelations of high technology have been uncovered by independent researchers all over the earth. Anomalies in the historical record, out of place, out of time artifacts are labeled as mysteries or one-offs, yet show signs of advanced sciences and intelligence. Ancient maps showing lands that were not yet supposed to have been known, let alone covered deep in ice for thousands of years before human civilization. The case is evaporating. The timeline given for modern man being here for only three or four hundred thousand years. A great delight to welcome back Jared Murphy. Jared, how are you? Oh, I'm doing really good. I appreciate you having me on over the weekend. This is great. My pleasure. My pleasure. And thanks for joining our stream here. Good to see you. So, yeah, when you started out on this journey, I was fascinated to learn you actually were were researching a, a, a work of science fiction, right? You Something yeah. about a plan to reanimate the world's oldest mummies. That's an interesting copy. I mean, I, I, I mean yeah. uh, concept. I would have read that. You know, what's so funny is that I've had enough people. I didn't try to pitch it, but the reality is there's enough people who want to read the fiction. They're like, why, why don't you finish that? <laughs> and now, now that the Russians, uh, Ancient Origins had that article out that they literally, the defense minister of Russia wants to reanimate Scathian 3,000 year old warriors and their horses. And, and I'm like, you can't make this up. They, they actually want to reanimate 3,000 year old dead warriors. It's like Night at the Museum. Uh, yeah, it, literally. And, and I thought it would be a fiction because once reanimated, I've been fascinated by quantum mechanics, collective human memory. And the idea was. Well, they would they wouldn't have clear memories, and so they would uh, slowly but surely remember. Oh, you know what? I remember I was at this city and had this really advanced fill in the blank, and that they would have handlers. And the idea was these reanimated mummies would, or these reanimated peoples would, uh, be able to touch back further, even in their stories and legends, in flashes to uh, ancient advanced human technology that was here on the planet. That was the concept. Right, right. And these, the oldest mummies known, are they the Paracas mummies? Yeah, so there's a little bit of a running, um, uh, yes, yeah, so they're, they're naturally preserved uh, for the most part. And so we're looking at at least 9,000 years old. But then we did find some mummies that are redheaded, gingered, really tall people in Mongolia, and they kind of kick back there too. But the Paracas appear overall, appear the, the oldest preserved mummies on earth and despite mainstream academia being aware of them for years and years and years it's almost like the giant white pink giant winged elephant in the room where you have a group of people they do not have the same suture lines as the human skull these are are the elongated skulls uh, right people not familiar with the paracas skulls of peru yep and so the these people anatomically don't look they're human but they don't look like us so we have a column of Here's an elongated skulled human that looks very alien when you, if you go and internet search the skull while we're speaking, the Paracas. But then they don't have the same suture line. Their neck doesn't go into the same place. Our, our, our skull, you know, it attaches to the middle of our spine. Then uh, what's more interesting is that a lot of the skulls have their hair and they're redheaded and they're red bearded and they're 
again, not supposed to be in South America. Everyone is supposed to have one genome trail. They're all supposed to be, of course, from some magical land bridge around the Younger Dryas, and that they're supposed to be black-haired, and they're not supposed to have beards. And you have red-headed, elongated-skulled, missing suture line, different arterial dissections, and simultaneously, uh, modern uh, academia has a list of we think between fifty. Now, this is what they're willing to say publicly, right? The, the the it's now in written articles and out there very currently that there are at least a fourteen percent mystery genetic connection to humanity about fifty to sixty thousand years ago. Uh, some variant that we don't know of the human race definitely along with definitely Denise event and mm-hmm. Neanderthal, they all bred together after some cataclysmic and or, you know, because we're post 75,000 year old super volcano. We have, a, and they're willing to say 50, 60,000 years ago, Denise event, Neanderthal, mystery 14% human all bred together. Is it a mystery 14%? Is it the elongated skulled people? And not a single academic institution that calls themselves higher education has done the DNA testing. Brian Forster is the only one who's scratched at it. Right. That's okay. It. So, Lynn Marzulli, you know, I consider him a friend. He, uh, I've known him for many years, and he is convinced that these are, well, not alien. He's talking about, you know, these are Nephilim, right? Or descendants of the Nephilim, that these are not human, that the mitochondrial DNA, I guess, would be human, female, but the nuclear DNA, that's the big mystery, right? Yeah, there's a bit of a debate where we've all been, I, based on my age range, I've been programmed by Leonard Nimoy's In Search Of. Sure, and, me too. Yeah, so for me, it is very hard to eliminate the mindset of, okay, yeah, everyone was banging rocks and in loincloths, but they built super complex polygonal rocks, and that's it. There was no finished materials. There was no finished layers. It was just big rocks, and then they were back to being very primitive. And so then the only answer is aliens or spaceships or something because you can't have an Apple store, you know, an Android. You can't have a fancy smartphone you know, so many tens of thousands of years ago, but we have giant constructions that are clearly showing signs that they could manage earthquakes, waves, frequencies, but we don't look at it like that. So the first thing we do in our history, the way I was raised, is we look back to what we've been learning. And what I learned was I was an Irish Catholic. You know, I, I have very much ingrained a Western philosophy of 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 religion. And what happens is is uh, then we hear about a couple of very important people in our in our alternative world. There are two very important people, I think, Zachariah Sitchin, and you have Eric Von Danigan. Mm. And the problem, and I've done personally on NotAliens.com, I've done uh, shows with my co-author on my next couple of books, uh, Jennifer Deo, the archaeologist. I've tried to debunk and try to explain to people that uh, Zachariah, I'm not I'm not going to say he lied. I'm just going to tell you that he tried to decipher and interpret. Uh, cylinder seals. He has no provenance of the... There's no documentation. He literally wrote a whole bunch of stuff about the Sumerian Anunnaki. He literally made it all up. And no one could check. No one had Google. No one had the internet. You know, it wasn't something you could go check. So you have cuneiforms. Those cuneiforms are in the basement in the London Museum, right? Well, there are many... Actually, uh, so I'm in Minnesota, and we have one of the largest collections of cuneiform tablets. Many are un... uh, 
yeah, many are untranslated. In fact, there are databases you can get online and you can actually start participating. You know, and some things are really boring. They're just like this governor or mayor saying, oh, thank you so much. You're a great king. Or some things are detailed lists of transactions. You know, so we're winging it on where there are millions of untranslated tablets. And a lot of the tablets, like, so the ones you're talking about and the ones that Zechariah used, a lot of them are uh, Syrian they're, or Babylonian and they're it's they're from like collector libraries in the day which they're still very old but what you have is this very very hard what i'm tying it into is this very hard concept of well we have this western idea of religion and then if we go back further it's very hard for us to accept that a lot of our concepts of christianity are based in sumerian and then in the sumerian stories of the anunnaki there is a true statement there are these gods they're called the anunnaki the only factual thing that we know of the anunnaki is that the humans were helpers they were not slaves they were not reprogrammed that that's all sitchin making stuff up so that part is true that part is not my opinion. That's the actual research. Sitchin makes up a bunch of stuff about the Anunnaki and fortunately ends up in the alternative world's vernacular that, oh, the Anunnaki did this and they needed gold and they did this. There, there, right, there isn't... Right. Yeah, so the problem then is that we have this concept, this lineal path from rock-banging, alien-assisted uh, humans. It's a whole nother game plan when you start connecting the dots. If you just take it as a giant game of uh, archaeological clue, and instead of tabling theories and start tabling the facts, we have weird genetic abilities like synesthesias. We have all these weird polygonal stone spheres and polygonal constructions. That sorry, we've talked sorry, about. Jared. What is synesthesias? Is that where oh, you see so, colors and you, if you see colors, you have a certain you smell or you yeah. visualize them differently? Yeah. And you have – it affects all five senses. So some people can watch like two people from a distance like shake hands or or hug each other and they can feel what those two people are doing. Uh, some there, It's been studied by Carl Jung. It was studied by the Greeks. Uh, the current estimate is that 22 to 26-ish plus percent have these abilities. Some people see um, in their mind's eye and they describe that in front of them, outside of their body, they're looking at like a canvas and lights and it's like fireworks. They describe uh, what they see when either it has to do with smell or geometry or numbers. And, uh, you know, we chalk up that and six fingers, six toes gigantism, the races to just a natural evolution. And I have a feeling that there is, based on the evidences, that these abilities were part of uh, a more uh, conscious human race that would be able to, for instance, pop on a set of headphones and their favorite music, instead of a diagram where they're looking at an architectural drawing, they see a giant 800-ton stone in front of them that with impunity they can shape to every side any way they want. But instead of seeing a measurement, they see color. And within that color, they have the appropriate technological equipment to shape, sand, change that block to fit to the next block because projected onto the block are colors and they just sand away the color that doesn't match. They just um, continue to shape based on what's being projected for them within a much more complex system than a, that's just like a an advanced stretch idea of how advanced were we because right so these are I, these are our ancestors poking through uh, from time to time in a certain a small se- segment of the population 
So we're seeing the genetic remnants, I think, of what was left of a society that based on not one, not the younger – so we're just getting our head around the younger Dryas, but that uh, maybe pre-super volcano 75,000 years ago and to the younger Dryas between 11 and 13,000, we have a a de-evolution and that a number of very advanced humans, but maybe only a few hundred or maybe a few thousand, uh, they made it into these rock-cut ruins that Eric Von Danigan has investigated, that Buzz Aldrin went to, that they're found in places. There's many military, and I know you and I have talked about it. There are rock-cut ruins that appear to be large, either storage rooms, storage houses, even Petra, Jordan. You have 320,000 cubic foot rooms that were cut. And the idea was a portion of the society made it into uh, shelters. And whether it was... 10 days, 100 years or longer, they made it, but they weren't the people, like if you think of a cruise ship and not everyone on the cruise ship knows how to program cell phones or program computers or uh, smelt metal, but they know how to work with metal. They know how to work as a machinist, but or they're a mechanic, but they're not a machinist. There's, you know, I, I know where to put the gas, but I'm not, I don't know how to refine gasoline. I think of a society that wasn't prepared for a global disaster and or a weaponized one, the remnants of that, for them to crawl back would be echoing through even into the Younger Dryas where you have what was once, we know it's a worldwide culture because they have polygonal construction on every continent. We have engineered ancient soil that you and I have talked right. about. And we will get continent. into that. We'll, we'll be, yep. We're coming up on a break in about three minutes just to give you a time check here. So cool. we'll, we'll talk about the um, poly- polygonal construction, engineered yep. soil. Yeah, so to give everybody an idea, you have a very advanced group of humans that simultaneously, just like us today, live alongside 150 tribes currently. It's about 150, 160 tribes like the Sengalis that if we all went away in 100 years, uh, there could be very primitive looking tools and maybe some of our advanced stuff would be left. But over thousands of years, it would disappear. So we have a very advanced group of humans that built a global society that disappeared, then had to rebuild. And right now we keep experiencing all these UFOs. It's very exciting because, well, they must be from somewhere else. But the very idea that our fellow ancient great, 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 great times 100 grandparents aren't helping us or they tried and that these UFOs or these unidentified, whatever we want to trendingly call them now and not in search of, we're talking about a very advanced group of human race that never left the planet. They may they leave, but they still call us home and they can clearly outrun us if any of us have seen the F-22 Tic Tac video. And right. it's not an issue. Right, right. And hence the title. It's not aliens, it's us. They are our ancestors, I guess, that are piloting these crafts. You must be real popular with the uh, ancient alien crowd. <laughs> uh, it, well, and so here's the problem. You know, The Anunnaki stories really confuse things because that's all post-Diluvian stories. So when we put that, when we mesh that onto the what we're trying to discern, you know, people find – Michael Cremo said it best. Uh, archaeologists and everyone who's look, digging in the dirt, they find what they're looking for. Interesting. I like that. So, yeah, and that's a problem. It's problematic and it's good. But now we have nanoarchaeology and DNA, nuclear DNA testing. That's a that's a big subject that we'll have to – we have a whole two hours to cover. We do. Oh, we no, do. Hour but, but, wait, uh, well, an hour and a half now, yeah. Just, we have about a minute and a half here. Let me just ask you this. Like seriously, when I was talking about you know the ancient alien crowd, I mean it has become – and I – I, I don't want to – I'm not being pejorative here. I'm not trying to say this in a pejorative way, but it has become almost like a religion for them. I mean they have so much invested in this yeah. 
that we are star, star seeds and 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 so oh, forth. Yeah. How I mean, so, how do they react to you? You know, they, I've, you know I've, who I've, I mean. I've been able to meet, I think, you know, David Hatcher Childress was very positive. Uh, you know, Olaf Phillips, uh, my original publisher, was very positive. Um, I think it's the issue. It lives, It you know, I'm on a number of different shows. So it's not that there can't be aliens where I think it lives well. It's you and I and a lot of people out there are truth-seeking, and everyone has to be ready to be wrong. Archaeologists need to be paid to not find what they're supposed to find. And we need to all be willing to look at the facts on the table, and they're uncomfortable because they're not the stories you're telling yourself. And we really got to we really got to put this Sitchin thing to rest. And it's the Nephilim, the the stories that come from Sitchin are so twisted. Just find the provenance. Find any of the cuneiform actual stories that he used. He didn't use stories. He used cylinder seals. He he interpreted basically like it's interpreting the pictures of the change on your wallet in your in your pocket. Like just pictures and it's a cylinder seal and you just made up a whole story. And there's there's no there's just none of it exists in reality. And so it's really twisted and morphed the, the eyes that you put on the finds that you have. And it, and if we add up just the human abilities, like the genetic, the synesthesia the, the conscious control of your immune system, like the Wim Hof, Steak Severinsen, breathology. Right. We'll get into that. Yeah. Too. Jared, I got to jump in here. We'll take a time out. Come back. Jared Murphy. It's not aliens. It's us discovering our lost history with us for the, uh, for the duration, folks. You can get on board in the second hour with questions and comments. Back with more. Stay with us. Providing the evidence and letting you draw your own conclusions. This is The Conspiracy Show with Richard Sarrett. Jared Murphy stays with us. It's not aliens. Worse, it's us discovering our lost history. You mentioned Wim Hof and the Iceman. We've had him on the program. He's run marathons in the Arctic barefoot. He'll swim hundreds of yards under water in the uh, the Arctic. Can, you know, withstand hours and hours of freezing temperatures. No, you know, doesn't suffer from hypothermia. So what has he unlocked? Because it kind of leads us into this discussion about junk DNA, or I guess the more, yeah. I guess it's non-coding DNA, which is about what, 98.5% of our human genetic material, right? It doesn't produce proteins. Yeah. So what is it all about? What Thousands. does it do? Yeah. And it's to your point, even coming in from the break about people, I think everyone who's, like you said, there's a very big vernacular out there that it's aliens. And I do think that it's okay to say that. I think it's important that as we look at the facts, particularly these facts about junk DNA, about these uh, incredible abilities. I mean, there was just another story. I, I frequently will just generally say somebody lifted a car off of someone. There was just a Daily Mail story about a, a, an officer that lifted a vehicle that was crushing a woman. And we have these superhuman abilities and they're being reactivated. Uh, uh, it's, it's, it's not only can he withstand 20 below zero for a marathon or climb Mount Everest in shorts. It's uh, the inflammatory response. And it's also, um, you know, conscious control during um, uh, being attacked by a particular disease or something. I mean, there's uh, these abilities that ought 
taken on their own, it's like, oh, that's a neat feat. And then as we unpack DNA, it, it, it took us 28 years and we go, oh, we have, we, have a, we have a double helix. You know, we have this DNA structure to the system. Oh, oh, uh, when they're splitting, sometimes there's a quad helix. Well, they, that took another 20-something years. And now it's, oh, we have this junk DNA. Now, let's hold on a minute. That's kind of like taking apart the engine to a car and you end up with a lot of extra bolts and you're like, oh, we don't need those. <laughs> yeah, 98.5% left over. Right? And so the hubris it takes. Meanwhile, I've been able to meet some brilliant neurosurgeons that they're very honest. They're very humble in the sense that they're like, hey, we know this much. You know, like they'll hold up a pinky and they'll say, we know this much about the human brain. And so it blows my mind when you say, okay, this is a junk gene. Uh, okay. However, we have echoing truths, like the symbol for ohm in pattern, like cymatics, like Hans, right, right. Jenny, cymatics, right? And we started figuring out the patterns to frequencies and sounds and seeing them on plates that were vibrating with sand or just anything on them that would they would create patterns. And here's this ancient symbol, 3,000-year-old symbol of ohm, and it's actually the symbol of ohm. So that, along with what you mentioned at the very beginning in the, in the initial opening about maps, they all tend to point to a more advanced time. So what else does? Well, religion. And in this particular case, I was going to touch on reincarnation. If you have the idea, if you have a collective conscious 90 to 100% conscious human being, not, not 20%, not 15%, not the 10 to 15% they say we're at, but if you have a fully conscious human being that's connected to piezoelectric charged electron changing engineered soil to buildings to animals to uh, having an indefinite lifespan based on a million different religions but in this particular case in reincarnation maybe the sliver of truth just to throw it out for everyone to think about what if the sliver of truth is the idea of which we've done in harvard and i do discuss this in the book which is they wrote a fifty-five thousand word book on RNA. They used RNAs as ones and zeros, and they can now store over a terabyte of information on a gram of DNA. Essentially, everything humans know could be stored on two elephants, and they could still be elephants. They could you know, go eat and be hungry and be elephants, but they would store all the knowledge known to man. So what if, collectively, you and I are having this conversation, and we get hit by that super meteor 2022, but what if it just hits our two spots? And what if, collectively... The idea of reincarnation is, oh, well, you might come back as a plant or you might come back as why, or, or, or a smaller animal or not a human or blah, blah, blah. Well, what if the truth of it is, is that we know there's a magnetic aura around us. We know that there's an etheric, an astro body, not, not even woo-woo. These are, these are facts. The actual vibrational medicine is a real thing. So what we're dealing with, with a number of scientists all over the world studying this extensively, what if your physical body could be damaged, destroyed, and in reality, the zip files that contain everything to rebuild you just flashes into the nearest living things or flashes into the collective consciousness? So this junk DNA, we think, oh, it could unlock superhuman abilities and it's all about me or it's all about consciously being able to connect to that collective consciousness. But hold on. We have all these true slivers of truth. What if the one in reincarnation is simply that, hey, as you are a pragmatic scientific mind and you're looking at this, in quotes, junk DNA, as you didn't even know there was a quad helix, alone a double helix, alone, well, DNA, now as we're progressing into this nano world, 
and nanofactories that are atoms in size, maybe we might want to take some respect towards Eastern and Western uh, mythos that come in the last 6,000 years and just very carefully go, okay, what if it is on the world of vibrational medicine and the very serious scientific world of vibrational medicine? What if the capstone is collective human backup? And one of the weird indicators that no one talks about is, again, there's ancient – I know we're going to get into it, but there's ancient engineered soil all over the earth. And it indicates to me not just that they could grow food for a larger population, but based on polygonal construction and stone sphere, a number of architectural elements down to the soil itself and not just for growing – but for communication and for earthquake mitigation, fill in the blank, a number of things. We're talking about a global society that would very easily have achieved a level of connection where maybe collective backup was a reality. And that, that, that's, I know that that's, I know we're having a speculative conversation, but the idea of junk DNA, just there's one idea of why you should not be so quick. Or, or just assume – like we don't even know what they do, but just to assume that your eyes turn red if you hit the right switch or the right combo. And yet we have even in quantum sciences and astrophysics beyond the spectrum of just general Max Planck quantum mechanics science that we're talking about absolute more conscious control of the human being not just the physical body. And I think the remnants in that are ghosting in our DNA where people frequently have paranormal experiences. They have a genetic memory where they, what they'll say is they don't call it a genetic memory. They'll say this place feels weird and scary, or I think I was Cleopatra. You know, you never build a zookeeper from Roman times, you know, sometimes people are bill, but at the end of the day, are you tapping into your memory or are you one of the unique people? This is the best part is that we have to respect everyone's where they come from. You know, we might call them super hippie and woo woo and crystally, and they're really into their feelings and we might be a little uh, dismissive. The truth is, is that every human's mechanics and their family of origin story, they might be connecting to these higher powers and they're calling it what they understand. But the reality is, is that they may have reactivated and have a a listening, a genetic activated listening device, and they they are connecting with an ability that they're describing it as a little woo woo for me. But the reality is, they they actually do recall someone else's memory. They do connect to that collective human consciousness, and they are doing it in a way that they're calling it something that I wouldn't identify as. But we're we're instead of dismissing the process that they're their their process of meditation, their process of eat, whatever it is, for them to get to that state where they say, this is how this connection's done, let's look at the states, let's look at the connections. Again, let's just table the facts with all the human abilities and look at how super this society really was, right down to Wim Hof abilities, or Stieg, right, who right. sat on one breath for 22 minutes. Well, I'm thinking of um, Rupert Sheldrake and the sense of being stared at. So abilities like that, yeah, yeah, uh, all those things that the amazing Randy used to say. I'll give you a million dollars if you can prove, you know, that anything paranormal is happening here. All of that you're saying is perhaps I don't know a cellular memory or is part of this non-coding DNA that we it's it's buried in all of us. We all have that, right? 
And sometimes there's an emergency, like suddenly there's this officer lifting or a, or a woman lifting a car off that she could never lift, and she's lifting a car to get her kids out of a uh, a wreck. Or you have Wim Hof, uh, again, swimming underwater at 20 below zero or running barefoot, but reactivating abilities that we would otherwise not identify as abilities. We think oh, that's a superhuman thing, or not everyone can do that. And not only maybe can we all do it, but we're, we're misidentifying those abilities and oh that person's oh you know it's not paranormal there's no such thing or whatever the reality is that they are speaking that way because that's how they identify it that's what they learned about it's like you and i watching in search of it's just something they identified as the process for them to learn well i can speak to the dead well are you astral planning are you are you are you doing the is it the men who stare at goats you know sort of movie is it just something that i called banging on the blinky board uh, the best <laughs> I'll tell you what, Jared, I, we're going to take a break here. But our, our sure. ancestors, our distant ancestors, man, they were something else. And uh, yeah. we have no clue who we are or what we are. Jared Murphy will be uh, back with us in mere moments. Stay with us right here on The Conspiracy Show. My name is Richard Serrett. Take a look around. What do you really see? This is where you can tell all about it. The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. All right, uh, Jared, I wanted to get back to uh, the Paraka skulls, if we could, the elongated skulls. And Sue, terrific point that she's making, she linked to an article about this strange-looking artifact that was taken by the Mars Curiosity rover, I think back in 2014. And I don't know if you've seen it. I'm looking at it now online. It looks all the world like one of these Paraka skulls. And so the idea is, okay, the, the elongated skulls came from because of the gravity on Mars or something. What do you think about the idea that our ancestors, humanoid as they were, may have been off planet as well? Did they have that kind of technology? Yes, I do. I think so. And one of the things that really fascinated me, and this is, gosh, it's going, it's so funny. I think we all have a vernacular now because of the last sci-fi novel that we've been in where it's like, oh, two years ago. And what I really mean is three years ago. And the time warp here is that there is this, the possibility that not only would they leave, but I read an article where they're using live bacteria to create bricks that could be shaped any way you want. There's some very weird stone anomalies, not only here in the United States, but they look like honeycombs. And it's like, well, how the hell was that built or how was it done naturally? And the reality is that if you were to be a very advanced society, you would easily leave the planet. You could have easily colonized not only the moon or Mars or other exoplanets that ultimately you would have sent out, like we sent out Voyager with a here's how to find us. Why would they not have sent out their own? But would it look like I know there was a big thing, everyone was super fascinating about that particular asteroid that was floating through the planet here. But I do think that the possibility that not only would they have left but it colonized, again, we do have a, a fossil record that's putting back antiquity of man like the Hindu Vedas for, you know, and it's not Michael Cremo's opinion. It's the paleoanthropological evidence that he quotes that was found in forbidden archaeology in reference to anatomically correct humans, actual academic finds that show that in the course of what we've done in 100 years, could have been done a million years ago or two million years ago. It could have been multiple falls in societies where there was one that was finally global and polygonal and 
dealing with stone spheres and this genetic advanced point where they left the planet, but did they come back? Did those societies separate? Did they ultimately have a conflict? And really, are we looking – Are and this is something I don't discuss, but despite my title, it's not Aliens Worse, it's us, and, and it's in the middle of a revision. But is it possible that really – due to a choice in being able to program, that part's true, programming your DNA. We're doing designer babies now. We're talking about humans that if you don't want to look human, you don't have to look human. If you want to look like what they're calling Palladians or Reptilians, or if you're going to do zero-point turns and a tic-tac, maybe being short, gray, translucent, so you can communicate with all your infrared and control panels, frequency wave, you might not look human, but you're still human. You may have modified your bod like people do. We do it very primitively with piercings and tattoos, but they would easily be able to change it. And the signals that are sent back to Earth were like, oh, we picked up an alien signal. Why isn't that possibly a very advanced, very ancient, still sending signals home uh, probe or multiple probes? So what would be the reason then for the elongated skull? You know, it's so interesting because the true, and I was just talking about this with Jennifer Dale, the volume of the skull, that's the thing. The societies that mimicked, they pressed the skull, and the gosh knows what kind of damage. I mean, I know Cradle it's still boarded, right? Cradle boarded. Oh, yeah, it is brutal. I mean, you're shaping a human skull away from its original design. The Prakas were born that way, and they have a volume to their brain matter that is beyond. They are much bigger brained. They're designed that way. And so we already have, and again, you know, you could be only. 10% or 14% conscious and or some of the neural the synopsis is uh, you know Einstein donated his brain and when they looked at his brain and when they looked at the synopsis where it's theorized memory is held it looked like a forest you know some people look like the Charlie Brown Christmas tree in their <laughs> synopsis so if you're a paracus and you're fully conscious and you're really using a brain that is two or at least a time and a half to three times the size of the human brain fully activated with abilities that we identify. You know, we, we have these wonderful stories of Merlin and magic, yet what what would nanotechnology look like? What would a, a billion trillion nanobots building something from thin air look like to anyone that was primitive? We'll take a quick time out, come back. Jared Murphy is uh, with us. Oh, incidentally, the YouTube uh, channel, your YouTube channel, uh, Jared, what is it? Not Aliens is the YouTube channel and the website. Not Aliens. All right, notaliens.com and also the YouTube site. All right, back with more of our discussion uh, with Jared. Stay with us. Back with more. You're listening to The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Jared Murphy. It's not aliens, worse, it's us. Discovering our lost history. So when people are having abduction, encounters, contact... Do you believe that they are actually they're in contact or they're being abducted by by us, right? By our ancestors or by the the yeah. um, even the Greys? You know, yeah, that's the deal. Is that I I think that we have these you know things like the Nuremberg sighting of what looked like a conflict between aliens and the air. You know, ancient like you pointed out earlier, ancient aliens. One of their the first things they ever did in the first seasons was to point out that template that was made of this aerial combat thing above Nuremberg that was witnessed by you know medieval people that there seemed to be a an aerial combat Wagner Wallace just wrote the crossing the crevasse about yep. UFOs in the bible and 
and the Roman legions that were going to fight and, you know, very weird object lands between the two armies. They're like, yeah, let's not fight today. And there's this long history of what appears to be a group of advanced, I think, humans that clearly did not get along with each other or they digress to the point in my opinion, but here's the problem. We don't know this. It's speculative. So when people are abducted, there are too many credible, very non, whether religious or not, there are too many people who have zero interest in aliens, UFOs, abductions, who have been abducted. There are just too many stories now. So yeah, sure, Betty and Barney Hill couldn't have cared less about UFOs. Right. And that's a great, I just did that lecture at America's Stonehenge. I was just out there. That whole thing about we see these ufos and so yes is there a large portion of military hardware that we don't understand or know for sure um i was at giant rock a couple contacts in the desert ago and i saw definitely those triangle shaped ufos i don't really it comes up in talking so it's not like i haven't seen bizarre aerial elements i i got to meet alex hoffman and work with him in his night vision goggles that he supplies to the military i i got to use military grade night vision goggles and you lay on your back and the stuff going on in the air it's it's not explainable these aren't moths or bats or satellites it's not elon musk's you know it's very bizarre they're very bizarre right turning fairly busy active uh, upper atmosphere things but then you have all these ufos and the question is if people are being abducted are these normal run-of-the-mill people who are like have zero interest in all this uh, are they from somewhere else or it just it makes me sick personally to think oh my gosh these are our relatives they're like they're bagging and tagging us like they're catching release like fish or bear and you're they're putting a tag in the ear and and why you know is it someone's super advanced humans eighth grade you know science experiment are they what's with the cattle mutilations what's with all these bizarre again is it militaries it doing crazy experiments right right just because they're they're technologically advanced doesn't mean they are morally spiritually advanced right and they've clearly based on eyewitness accounts uh from roman times on they've clearly not always got along with each other and it's even echoing in the hindu vedas it's like the gods fought and things look like nuclear weapons and it's like okay what if these people just what if it was a free-for-all they the the entire Again, global planetary system fails. There are questions we can start tabling. We, we have no answers for them. But, but now it's like we have this echoing truth. We can start piecing in a larger picture when we say, okay, well, these gods uh, were fighting. They were using nuclear weapons. Well, what if they came out and it was a bit of a free-for-all as far as recollecting ancient lost technology? What if, what if they were underground, separated unintentionally for 100 years? What if they couldn't – what if they chose not to come back to the surface? It just wasn't conducive enough for them to – or do extensive trips beyond the shelters that they survived in after a mass cataclysm and dynastic peoples, the Egyptians, the Mayans, the Aztecs, they they took the Tol- Olmecs, Toltecs, you know, fill in the blank. All of them, uh, uh, Kurgans, I just all of them take over. Uh, they come, they have a ready-made city. It's It's been clear that the Egyptians, the Greeks, the Greeks said it too, who built this, the wealth of gods built this before we made the Temple of Delphi. And, well, we just build on top of it, and the reuse by Egyptians, by the Aztecs, the restacking. I mean, I have 20 years in construction and building and historical remodeling, which is a joke compared to stuff that's hundreds of thousands or tens of thousands or 
gosh knows how long, even 6,000 BC, and you and again, the lower you go, it's just a joke at this point. The lower you go in Egypt, the more advanced the construction is. Right, Not until finally you get a thatched roof on top of these amazing structures. Yeah, I love looking at Gobekli Tepe where you have single column uh, in Turkey for everyone. And there's more than one Tepe, but they're 5% dug up. They have columns that are 25 feet tall or more. And then they got river rocks stacked between them. So clearly not the same culture. And then I love the artist interpretations where yet again, how do you finish all polygonal construction of everywhere around the world, even though it's razor cut and fits together on like sometimes 15 or 20 sides to 800 or 300 or 100 tons. These are complex fittings, and apparently they didn't know how to do anything with wood, so you just got a log with a thatched roof. That's 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 your natural history museum, and how do you get that out of your head? How do you get that out of your head when we are open to the ideas, and Star Trek, and Leonard Nimoy, and, 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 and In Search of comes along, and then suddenly it's like, yeah, it, th- th- this seems like it could be aliens because, well, wait, there's polygonal construction on Easter Island, Mr. Leonard Nimoy. And not that he's saying there isn't, but you have polygonal construction. And the, and the most sacred thing on uh, Rapid on Easter Island is a stone sphere. And the stone spheres are found all over the earth. And, and again, dynastically, uh, and what we think about in the last few thousand years, it's very, very hard for us to break from that association with saying, well, you know, the Anunnaki modified humans. It's like, no, Sitchin said that. Oh, no, no, no. It's in other documents. No, it's not. It's Sitchin. Sitchin, Sitchin, Sitchin. There is no documentation within the cuneiform tablets that say they modified humans. They say humans were helpers. Well, it was interpreted. Well, it was off of this cylinder seal. Well, it's like, you know, it's like looking at that black and white ink image of, do you see the old lady or the young lady? You know, which it, right, what do you say? Right. You're, 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 and again, I don't want to be everyone's starting with an origin of why they have the filters they do. But if we just start tabling the facts, and the problem is everyone's banging on, I call it the blinky box. So if you bang on the left, you get an orange light. You bang on the right, you get a red light. God forbid, for 100 or 1,000 years, you get 60% correct uh, predictions. And then somebody comes along and says, Why are you banging on the control panel of a 747? That's a plane, it flies. And then you got half the people saying, burn the heretic, and the other people like, oh, cool, maybe. And <laughs> the, the thing is, we're getting, the, yeah, we're getting this reaction from our what we're calling paranormal and what we're calling maybe this esoteric uh, crystal tech. You know, like we're, we're having these dream states. We're having these abilities like Wim Hof and who I got to meet and train with. I was, I was at his first training in the United States, the first time he came. I've been doing it for over three years. And the... The, to reactivate these superhuman abilities, it's exactly what Wim says, and it, and it sounds like you've talked to him, where he's like, now he, I won't say it for the radio, but he says, uh, expletive demystify. And he's like, just demystify, because you have an ability that you forgot you had. We all have this ability. We can all do this. But we label it, and we mystify it, and we worship it, and you know, you put thousand people doing yoga at Chernobyl, well, that's a thing if you do it for a thousand years, but it's still Chernobyl. So if you want to walk around and celebrate the summer solstice at Stonehenge, God bless you, do it. But you're also doing something that was very valid and a a thing that was part of a culture maybe in the last 1,000, 2,000, 3,000 years. But is the larger hinge that's almost two miles in diameter the source for the original stones? Was it restacked by a a post-Diluvian society. And 
part of it is admitting that when you have a giant stone construction, whether it's Gobekli Tepe or in Egypt, and you go down to the Assyrian, you know, and then you see them finishing it with people in loincloths and, again, whole tree trunks and thatched roofs, uh, how do you not get a curveball in your mindset as you look at this stuff? So part of it is let's break the paradigms and, again, just table the facts. The, the odd things from the Schist disc to the P. Reese Reese map, like you mentioned at the beginning, like map of the Sea Kings. There's lots of maps that don't add up. And on the P. Reese Reese map, it always gets pointed out, well, there's the unfettered coastline that's at least eight or 9,000 years ago that has no ice on it. What often doesn't get pointed out, uh, Graham Hancock does, a number of, a number of uh, researchers that stay at it, the Mercator projections, the longitude is accurate to the point on the pre-reese-reese map they shouldn't the the math to do that this is a map in 1516 okay yeah just hold on because this is going to take a little bit to unfurl here so let's uh, i want to give you a a little bit more runway we'll uh, we're going to head into a break here and um yeah i want to spend a little bit more time on these maps just so we understand what you're referring to jared murphy is with us and uh, we'll uh, continue this on into the second hour back with more of the conspiracy show don't go away In a democracy, we elect officials so we can sleep at night. So why are you up? 416-360-0740 or toll free at 1-866- 